You're now tuned into the Hardwood Brand Podcast with your favorite guys, Dorian and Kyle. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Hardwood Brand Podcast. It's your favorite guys, Kyle and Dorian. If this is your first time listening, welcome and thanks for checking us out. To our regular listeners, welcome back and thanks for rolling with us. On this podcast, we discuss basketball-related topics, and we hope you find our conversations entertaining and educational. If you do, go back to our previous podcast and check them out. And with that said, let's sub ourselves in the game and get this ball moving. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another Hardwood Brand Podcast. This is your boy, D. Hill, the gift card bandit. Old man Ross is in the building, uh, sweatsuits and new balances. We got a special guest in the building. He's like family to us. Go ahead, bring him in, Mr. Hill. Man, he don't need no introduction, man. He's been here before. <laughs> we still gotta give him a, we still gotta give him a proper introduction, though. The gatekeeper is back. The gatekeeper of Los Angeles basketball. If you're a hooper in LA, you should know this man's name. Mr. Keon Kendrick. Oh man, much love. Welcome man. back, brother. Back, man. I missed you guys. Yeah, we missed you too, man. How's your, how, what was it? When did we interview him last? Months. That? that was like last year, last right? Year. Yeah, like last, last year. year. What you been up to since then, man? Same grind, man. You know, that grind doesn't change. Uh, I'm in some gym somewhere in some country. <laughs> um, you know, just doing what I do best, man. Trying to get these guys better and uh, have these guys get their dreams. Nice, nice. Up, man. So where, where have you been? You said different countries. Like, where have you been since the last time we talked to you? Oh, we got to pull up the text messages <laughs> and check the dates. But just this year alone, I've already been to about six countries. Um, started the year off in Japan, came back from Japan, went to Dubai, came back from Dubai, went to Mexico, left Mexico, was in Australia, left Australia, went to China. What was your favorite out of those places you just um, mentioned? I've been to every place, um, but in Australia, it was my first time going to Melbourne, and um, Melbourne's a beautiful place, so I look forward to going back. The plan is to go back uh, sometime late August. Nice. This is with your CLC, right? A little bit of CLC and Drew League. Oh, okay. Um, you know, for the fans out there, we're trying to do something special. You know, I've helped make the Drew League global, and I've continued to build that brand globally, so we're trying to pull off some things in Australia. Oh, dope. Oh, it's good to know. It seems like the Drew is getting bigger every single year. Mm-hmm. Like, I just remember when they were in the small gym, right. and Kobe and those guys, Kevin Durant, those guys came in. Now it's just like big time stage now. I mean, the sky's the limit. You know, it's it's a pillar in Los Angeles. You know, the Smiley family has done an amazing job keeping that league up afloat and. You know, and the players, you know, they're going to go where good basketball is. And the NBA guys, the local guys, the college kids, you know, they all want to be a part of that one thing. And the Drew League is that thing in this current uh, state. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the Drew League is a cool place for anybody in Los Angeles or anybody in the basketball community. Like, I feel like you could go down there, you work on your game for the fall. If you're a photographer, you could go down there. They don't really mess with you. You know, they. I, it's just like a – like a hub for everybody to kind of hone their skills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, that's that's awesome. Um, but the basketball, it seems like the comp and the the level of play is getting better and better <coughs> to me anyways. Um, as we, me and Kyle, 
knew about the Drew League, but we just never had the chance to come up there as much as we right. wanted to. Yeah. But uh, last last season we came up there uh, just to kind of check it out. And it's like, you know, we love basketball. So it's just like, man, I got to get here as much as I can. So this season we're trying to get there like every week if we can possibly. And that's where we met you. Right. You know, we yeah. spoke. Yeah. Exactly. We met a We met a lot of good people. Dino and uh, Crystal, the, mm-hmm. the, the ref. Yeah, and just a series of. Of people and players, so we're gonna to continue to keep going and talking to people and meeting people. So um, that's what it's there for. Yeah, know? it's a, it's that like we said earlier, a pillar of the community. Yeah, you know, people come to the league, old, young, you know, foreign, right. new people are so happy to be there. It shines a, a newer light on the east side of Los Angeles. Right, if you're from LA, you know that it's not much positivity going on. On that side of the city, not so at all. The Drew League is definitely something people get to see uh, a side of Los Angeles that a lot of people are afraid of, but able to come one gym, sit down, be you feel safe, right. enjoy yourself, get to see mm-hmm. players that you watch on TV, people you hear about, you know, guys that you may not, you know, parents and family that don't get to see their uh, their relatives play much, you know, when they're overseas or not to get to watch them in the summer. So the Drew League has definitely created a safe haven for people to come and uh, enjoy basketball. Yeah, man. Speaking of Drew League, you coaching two teams again, right? Yeah, always. <laughs> I'll coach three if they let me. Really? Um, you know, I use that platform to, you know, enhance my skill set. You know, I'm still competitive as we spoke last mm-hmm. time. Regardless of what I'm doing in life, I want to be competitive at it. And coaching is, you know, honing my skills, as you spoke about earlier, with the players working mm-hmm. on their craft. And me being able to coach two teams, coach the players that I train, you know, it helps me work on my ability to execute plays, timeouts, manage, manage talent, build rosters. You know, the thing that a lot of fantasy people love to play around with, I'm able to pull that off in the jewelry. You're actually doing it, <laughs> which is cool. That's that's cool. Um, you got some hitters on your on, on your squad. As we yeah. saw last week, yes. <laughs> we need to talk about that for sure. Yes. We weren't there, but we saw Pat put up 52. Yeah, you know, Patrick Rambert, man, calling VP uh, two years ago. Um, a guy that I've been working with over about five years now. Uh, one of the players is the reason I went to Dubai. Mm-hmm. In the tournament in Dubai. And I want to go, you know, be there with him and watch him play. I formerly coached in the tournament he played in. And um, he's special. You know, it was crazy. He had been in the Drew League for about two years on my bench. Really? Backing up my other star card, Jonathan Gibson. And, you know, I told him that he had to earn his way to be the starting point guard. And, Proved to me he was able to lead the team. And, you know, two years later, an MVP led the league in scoring and the highest uh, point total this summer and top five point total in Drew League history. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, talk about uh, Mr. Gibson as yeah. well. We actually got to see we, him play. That was the first time I got to see, I texted you actually, mm-hmm. like, after the game because – we were watching. I'm like, dude, this is a different. He plays at a you different level. You can tell level. the caliber is different. Yes, yes. I mean, he is beyond special. He's the reason pretty much all this exists. Yeah. He was my first everything, you know. Um, first kid I worked with, first player I ever recruited, um, first player I ever coached, you know, when I decided to take semi-pro to the next level in my career. And uh, look what we built. You know, I helped this kid go from, you know, college to leading the world in scoring. You know, he, uh, he averages 40-some points in China. That's crazy. He's been playing over there for about 
four years now. You know, he's won a few championships in his career and has made the NBA, which was one of our biggest accomplishments uh, two seasons ago. The Mavericks mm-hmm. brought him in, and um, he was on the tear early. Mm-hmm. And then um, due to injuries, our players coming back from injuries, uh, they released him. Then he went over to China, did what he did. And uh, this past season, the Celtics uh, brought him in at the end of the season for a few games while Michael Smart was hurt. And uh, he had the second highest efficiency rate in the NBA for that time span. Right. Um, regardless of how much he plays, his point output doubles. He played his first game nine minutes, nine points. Next game, five minutes, three points. Next game, 16 minutes, 19 points, though. You know, hopefully we get another phone call to where he can play a whole season, which is our goal. That was going to be my next question to you is, um, like, a player like him, um, he clearly has the talent to be at the NBA level. Why don't you think he's sticking to a roster? Well, if you look at the business of basketball and understand the dynamics of it amongst us, we're basketball players, we're, we're fans of the game. How many little guards are in the NBA? You know, that's, and that's his knock. You know, Allen Iverson over his era. You know, so the Allen Iverson era is over, excuse me. And that's where he fits. He's the reincarnation of Allen Iverson. Yeah. You know, the kid is just a walking bucket, which <laughs> is, is his nickname in the Drew League. <laughs> and um, that's kind of the problem. You know, he's not 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, so when you're looking at the Russell Westbrooks, the Lillards, the CJs, the Rondo, the Holidays, they're all 6'3 and up. So now you become a defensive liability. And then when you're looking at the NBA's game, you already have your scorers. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know who's going to shoot the ball every night. So in Gibbs' defense, we know he fills it up, but what else can you do for me? Right. You know. Are you going to be able to guard Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, James Harden, Chris Paul? You know, are you going to be able to pass and then not score as much? Or will all you do is score? You know, are you the um, Lou Williams? Are you a Jamal Crawford? You know, are you able to call the bench and fill it up and help us? But it's tough because last I checked, I think there's only six guards in the league under six feet. Damn. J.J. Barea, Isaiah Thomas. Maybe Yogi Ferrell. Yeah, he's small. Yeah. Actually, now we're stretching. We're reaching. I was going to because I usually keep track of the little dudes. It's not many. Because Nate, Nate's not in the league yeah, anymore. Like I said, it's just, yeah. It's, it's like you said, rare. that era is over it's now. Rare. Everybody's big. and you know, It's just no more small cars. Dang. Hey, little guys out there, still plug away at your craft, though. How big is uh, Patty Mills, Keon? Probably six feet, six one. Okay. So he doesn't come off as a little guard. Right. 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 Speaking of size. Yeah, no, I got you. I was just thinking. No, I mean, he's right there. But I mean, everyone's right there. Yeah. You're 5'10, 5'11. Yeah. You're going to struggle against Russell. What's going to struggle is just the way the matchups are. Teams go big, you become a defensive liability. Yeah. Because they're going to just back you down. So look at the go to state lineup. If you put, let's say, my guy, Jonathan Gibbs, who I know is tough, who we've all known, he's showing he can play that. Yeah. On a switch, he's going to guard KD, Clay, Iguodala, or Draymond. Yeah, when you put it like that, yeah. Exactly. But that's what they game is. Exactly. He's switching. They're going to run a pick and roll. They're going to switch, and now he's up against 6'6 six, six and up. Man. Man. Wow. You got to switch I'm, on KD. That's not fair. <laughs> you saw it in the playoffs. When, yeah. Uh, who was uh, switched off on KD, and he was able to just get whatever shot he George wanted. Hill. There we go. 
who is 6'2". Right, and long arms. Well, a few people switched. They showed yeah, that. It's not fair. It's yeah. nothing you can do with a 6'11 guy with, with great length and ability to show. Right. Yeah, well, we hope Jonathan gets there, man, because I was thoroughly impressed by very, his game. Very, very impressed. It's my pride and joy, man. He's my, he's my prototype. When people ask me, you know, what type of trainer I am, like, who is the guy that represents you? He's the first man that comes out of my mind. That's awesome. That's a good representation. Thank you. Thank you. That's a great representation. Well, since we were talking about the playoffs, uh, how'd you feel about how everything turned out? As expected. Of I course. Mean, Thanks, I'm not a betting man, but there's no money to be made in that world. Exactly. Uh, because we all picked Golden State to win, you know, and they have the tools, and they still have the tools to keep winning, you know, and I'm glad the NBA, uh, these organizations are starting to find their ways to compete with them. It was great to see Houston pushed in the center. Yeah. You know, if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt, they have a different champion. But same can be said if Iguodala isn't hurt. We might right. never saw seven games. I don't same. think so. so. It's a give and take with that, but it's it was great to see them be pushed and everybody see like oh they're beatable, you know. Um, but the team that we wanted to win for, yeah, I'm happy for it. I have guys on both rosters. Uh, remember last year we yes. spoke. I had George Bell exactly. draft, and now here it is a year later. He's a champion. You know, Kevon Looney is still on that roster. Of course, my relationship with Nick Young, Javale, and KD. So it's always good to see. And Draymond. And Draymond, always good to see you know guys that you know flourish and win. Yeah, that's good. Like you said, they are they have the tools to keep going. I have a question. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Houston. Are you a fan of the style of basketball that they play? I mean, we saw in the fourth quarter they went 0 for 27, 23 mm-hmm. pointers. Are you a fan? Because I, I told Dorian that I wasn't – I was happy they lost because I didn't want more teams to try to mimic that style of play. I think it would take away from basketball more than help them, you know, but that's just my opinion. I wanted to know what you thought well, about that. I understand that. this, Kyle, that winning is contagious. Mm-hmm. And the style of winning becomes more contagious. This style of basketball was years ago when Dan Antonio had Phoenix. So it wasn't like we haven't seen this before. Right. They have the right players to pull it off. This year they had the right team. Now, is it a winning recipe? They led the W. I mean, they led the NBA and win. So, mm-hmm. yes, it works. But there's the gift and curse Law of Azure say you're going to miss at some point. Mm-hmm. Right? You would just hate that it'd be game six, game seven. Right, the, right, right. The conference finals. But as a coach, no. Because it forces you to stick with a disastrous plan. Mm. You know, it's like keep shooting, keep shooting. And that's you know, what like, it looked like. Get to the line, shoot a two. Right. right. You know, yeah, as, a, yeah, yeah. as a coach, I'm like, Find other ways to score, you know, and we live by the cliche, you live by the gun, you die by it. And yeah. They literally committed suicide. They committed terribly. <laughs> I was like, dude, is somebody going to drive to the bus? What, what you just said, I, we, we were going back and forth. I didn't understand it so at all. Coach, no, I would strangle one of my players if you go four for 30. I mean, don't shoot again. If you ever watch me coach, if you miss three shots, your next shot better be a layup. Right. Throw a putback. Right, right, so, right, right. See it go in first. Yeah. Don't just keep shooting. You're going to shoot us in the foot. Yeah, I see a lot of guys fall in love with the three now. That's, that's the way of the game. The game is exactly. three, like we spoke about last time. Yeah. And we can't be too far from it. Go to State's recipe is the same. I agree. You know, I agree. The luxury they have that Houston didn't. Go to State is also one of the top defensive teams in the NBA. True. So we're not going to make shots. We're going to make sure you don't make shots. Mm-hmm. And it kind of trickles down that way to where they're able to get 
get key stops and being able to get to the line, get Clay open, get Steph going, and Iggy to uh, slash it to the basket. So they'll find another way to score. They don't live or die by the three, but they'll find the ways to beat you by the three. Yeah. I feel I feel like Houston ran into a lot of ISO ball two weeks. Of course. And, and I know that was working, but you mentioned Golden State. Four or five guys will touch the ball before they score. I mean, they just get, like you mentioned, easy buckets. Mm-hmm. Houston, James had the ball for 18, 19 seconds, and then he'll try to throw it to somebody else. By that time, Trevor or P.J. Tucker, they don't have much time to get into a, to chemistry or rhythm. They have to throw up some crap. So I just, I don't know. What are you talking about? To? You live with it. No, no, no. I, James will be MVP this year. And I would love that to happen. Uh, it'll be the second MVP that I've worked with. Nice. No, actually the third, the third MVP that I've ever worked with. And um, it's just the nature of Houston's makeup. You know, you you brought in Chris Ball, who's a great isolation mm-hmm. guy. James is arguably the best ISO player in the game. And uh, you just dealt with the reality of his game. When he's making shots, it's scary. Mm-hmm. But when he's missing... <laughs> Kind of figure something outside. It's scary too, huh? Yeah, which is so it's one of those like, damn, here we are again. James not making shots. Now what? Yeah, it's not like in his game there's something else he does well. You know, he's a he's a great scorer, but he has to score in order to be great. This is a frustration that I have with that I talk to Kyle about all the time. Can you explain from your since you're trainer and you know you work on footwork and all this stuff? How is that step back not a travel? By rule, it's not. And that's what the exploitation is. Yeah. You know, us as the, the fan, the spectator, we see it and it doesn't look normal to us. But when you're at that level, Kobe, Jordan, Bron, mm-hmm. they find every loophole. And that's what James did. Man. You know, Manu brought the Euro step mm-hmm. to the NBA. Everybody thought it was travel because it just looked different. Yeah. Anytime you do something so well, it's wrong. And that's the same thing with James. The rule states that he hasn't planted yet, but after you plant, you get two steps. Uh, so it's a it's the finest line of understanding. You know, when he lifts up, if he planted yet, is he still alive dribble? If he does have a live dribble, it's just like a layup. If you catch, you get one, two to the rim. So yeah. you're gonna jump at the exploitation is the rule. My goodness. He so, of course, is. we teach it because they're not going to call it. Man. So, you guys heard it, ladies and gentlemen. Keon broke it down for <laughs> us because we definitely didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Between so, him and LeBron, we just don't know what. We like all they need is a briefcase because they walk in for sure. <laughs> yeah. Because I get so frustrated watching James. I'm like, dude, how is that not travel? Like, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, such a fine line. Yeah. The refs have tried to break it down and explain it. But, like I said, if you're not that – involved in the game, dealing with footwork and watching it from that perspective, you wouldn't get it. Right. Like I said, once we slow it down and show you, you go, oh, okay, I get it. But in fast motion live action, it's like, that's travel. Exactly. But it's not by rule. Yeah. Speaking of LeBron, where do you think he's going to go? My honest opinion. But wait, wait, before you even – before, what do you think about what he did this season and in the playoffs before you even mention like, – Oh, well, personally, I'm beyond proud of him. Uh, where the – we're, we're the same age. Uh, we were supposed to be in the same class. His birthday is in December, so he graduated 03. We were once USA teammates. So, personally, I am beyond proud of that guy for what he's accomplished. It's his, what, 15th, 15th season. season. Just, 33, right? He's amazing. I'm, 30, I'm 33. We'll, be, we'll both be 34 wow. this year. So, it's amazing 
to see what he's able to do this late in his career. Um, and, you know, constantly breaking every record. He'll go down as the greatest basketball player statistically mm-hmm. in every category. And um, it just shows how his will is impeccable. Right. He, I couldn't, outside of knowing the game and watching it, you don't know that roster. No. You couldn't no. tell me that roster. You don't know where those guys went to college, who was All-American, who was, you know, first team anything. Mm-hmm. He literally took a bunch of guys that were just on a team to the finals. Right. And a couple episodes ago, I told Kyle just from watching LeBron and all the stuff you said, being 15 years in and him being playing at the still level. I mean, I know you're going to disagree with this because I know your guy is, but I feel like LeBron, he's the he's the GOAT to me right now. Debatable, of course. Right. That is just the thing we live by. We love comparisons. Exactly. So. We would love to say he's better than George or he's better than Kobe. But when I break skill sets down, it's strictly by criteria. Mm-hmm. It's strictly by what can you do on this great sheet, rebound, score, pass, assist, whatever. You break up your criteria, he still has some flaws uh-huh. when we compare him to the Jordans and the Kobe's of the world, who mm-hmm. technically by unanimous decision have no weaknesses. True. There are certain things you would live with from LeBron that you couldn't get away with if it's Kobe or Jordan. You know, the, the clutch gene, which is not something we can measure, free throw shooting ability, you know, three point you know, three point one mid range game, just the way he attacks now is he's he's, he's starting to get it. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy that he's getting that fifteen right. right. If he had this at ten, it'd be amazing that what he would have accomplished at that point. He would have ran off a few more titles. Yeah. The fact that you see eight straight finals, it was insane. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't. I mean, I, I. You can't say never, but it's gonna be hard for somebody yeah. to to break that. He's a generational talent. Yeah, you know, for sure. He, he was the Will, you know, the Will Chamber, the Bill Russell. Yeah, like you have that one generational talent that that's the the bar, and that bar is set very high. Shaquille, which is ninety percent of the time, it's usually bigs. The only two bars in that conversation are usually Kobe and Jordan, mm-hmm. but they're usually six ten and up, and just. Couldn't nobody guard him, but he's the forward that literally dominates the guards game, and yeah, there will never be another LeBron James. That's insane, man. Genetically modified LeBron James. <laughs> he's a robot, right? Yeah. There we go, Terminator. <laughs> so, with all that being said, <laughs> now, Keon, moving forward, Dorian, you asked the question, where do you think he's going to go now? Or where do you, or I should say, where do you, from your standpoint, like, where do you think, is what is the best situation for him? If I'm LeBron and we're going into year 16, I need to take the pressure off of me. You know, I need to go somewhere where I don't need 82 games of greatness. You know, where I can take half the season off rest and be a monster in the playoffs. Only two of the teams that he chose that are rumored to, he's going to speak to, have that have that ability. One is Houston and the other is San Antonio. I told you. Hawaii situation. I told you San Antonio. The reason I, the reason I can't see him in Philly it's another rebuild process for winning. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're getting probably the, arguably the best big man in the game with Embiid, who technically hasn't won anything. Right. Couldn't beat Boston. Right. Ben Simmons is is going to be a LeBron-esque type player. Mm-hmm. Hasn't won anything. The rest of the roster, we don't know. So you're teaching again. So there's going to be days where all the pressure is back on you to win. Mm-hmm. Can't see him in Los Angeles because that's Cleveland with different colors. 
You know, it's a bunch of young guys, never won anything. I'm saying, no playoff experience, no. no nothing, and not even an all NBA player. At least you had Kevin Love. Yeah. You know, no all NBA talent. Yes, you have some young, great rookies, but how much longer do we have this rebuild process? And of course, the Lakers have a ton of money. They can go get another Paul George, but whoever his sidekick is, is probably someone that hasn't won either. Mm-hmm. So you want to go somewhere where you can take some time off, rest, and let the other superstar take over. That's only possible in Houston with James and Chris and San Antonio with Kawhi. That's funny you said that. Me and my dad had the same discussion about the Houston Rockets situation. I know there's rumors going around about the Lakers trying to bring Chris Paul in and LeBron because they want to play together. Mm-hmm. But like you said, he needs to go somewhere where he could chill. Like, because there's talk that he wants to still play when his son's in the mm-hmm. league, which mm-hmm. is another like five years. And the only logical way that I could see that is if he went to Houston or San Antonio. Because if he goes to Houston, he could chill, like he you said. James and let James do him and let and Chris do him. Games exactly. He could just be a, he could just be a role player he's if he like, wanted to. He'll be the greatest Trevor Reese, first of greatest <laughs> right. Trevor Reese ever seen. <laughs> Sit in the corner, shoot threes, and oh, I think I need to make twenty. Let me go get twenty points. Yeah, I mean. Hopefully he's thinking about that. What do you think about if Cleveland decided to bring in somebody else? I don't know. It's impossible. Cleveland's not a – it's a small market town. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough place to bring free agents. Yeah. You know, even his best friend, Dwayne Wade, tried it, didn't like it. I'm out. Shit back. <laughs> you know, it's just a tough place. No, not going to city Cleveland. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a tough sale for a free agent. You know, and then you're going to need pieces that you trust. So if you're looking at a team that just got swept in the finals, you're going to add one piece that helps you, but does it defeat right. the Warriors? No. no. And that's what the problem is, because that no. roster won't, much, won't change much. You'll yeah. draft, you'll get a good pick at eight. You're going to maintain the majority of that roster. You're going to trade and sign. You bring in one superstar. Okay, so you win one game in the finals now. You don't beat the Warriors. No. The objective for his legacy is to win more championships. I don't think he wants to continue to lose. So put yourself in a position to win more. Yeah. Damn. I like the Spurs. Of course. Not a bad look. I mean, don't do not. that to Kawhi and Lamarcus. Don't do that. Don't don't That's get don't get disrespectful. Yeah, I mean, by all the exactly. Don't you get disrespectful, Lamarcus? He might get even better. The great system. He's a system guy. Yeah. Um, it works. It works. He and, and everyone on that team knows their role. So there is no. See? There is no like LeBron having to coach mm-hmm. his players, his teammates. They all police themselves. They know their job, and arguably Kawhi Healthy is still the top three in the world talent. Yeah, so it kind of be like a KD going to the Warriors kind of. Not necessarily because the Spurs haven't won with their core yet. We just know how good they are. You know, we're still two years away from when Kawhi last played. You know, when they were beating the Warriors before he got hurt, and um, Marcus had a great year this year. Didn't have the great year when Kawhi was playing. Yeah. So. There's still some chemistry issues. There's still some contract stuff. Tony's got to be done. Mommy, you know, so. But that gives you the strongest core to compete in the West. Yeah. That's, I love it. I love the Spurs, for sure. It's going to be crazy, man. I'm with that. We'll see. We got a couple weeks. I told him I think LeBron's supposed to make his decision and let Cleveland know Wednesday if he's going to come back or he's not going to. You know, we're going to drag this out all summer. We want. He will be the last person. <laughs> yeah. Like he usually does, they always say he waits like a week after. He's not, he's not in a rush. Yeah. Um, and that Why should he? Down free agency because no moves will be made until he decides what he's going to do. 
So we just got to wait and see. Um, you mentioned Cleveland getting the draft pick at eight. This draft is next week. Who, who are you next yeah. week? It's crazy. Who are you liking in this draft? Just, I mean, you know, a few few players, or who are you excited to see get drafted? I'm biased. You know, of course you are. Right, but right. The license to, you know, do pre-draft for the last six years. That's fine. You can be biased. This year, um, I, we're, we finally got a lottery pick. And uh, major shout-outs to my guy, AJ Diggs, and Zahid LaFleur. Um, we had Marvin Mack with this pre-draft. And he's special. The kid can play. Yes. He's... he's, he's He's worked a ticket of admission. And, um, of course, I'm going to pull for him to be the better player in this draft. But this draft is loaded. You know, I got a chance to see Aiden in person. Special. You know, with my touring and traveling overseas, I got a chance to see Dante in person. Oh, yeah? Special. Yeah? You know, um, I'm not sure who Cleveland can look for at eight. I mean, if Michael Porter is available, why not? Because if you're looking at what have you done for me lately, He's not there, but if you look at who was the best player a year ago, he's the best player in this class. Right. You know, for uh, pre-injury, so um, he was better than Aiden Bagley. He was the best player in this class. Mm-hmm. So him healthy, he has a lot to say. Um, it's going to be a very weird guard draft, and we had Aaron Holiday this year as well, and I think he's a sleeper in this draft. I like him. He's a dog, and I think he's going to have a great NBA career, especially being that he's the youngest of the holidays and. Imagine that, you know, that lunch or dinner table conversation. Christmas time, huh? <laughs> your brothers are Drew and Justin. Right. Sixty plus million dollars and you're just in the NBA as a rookie. So <laughs> right. I know he has a lot to live up to, a lot of pressure and uh, his family does a great job with keeping him uh even kill. Yeah. You know, he doesn't see his brothers as unreachable, you know, it's a part of his be a part of the bloodline. So he works hard. And, you know, a few other guys that we had, Duncan Robinson out of Michigan, who's I do probably the next Cal Corver, um, showed me something I had never saw in a workout before. I, this kid doesn't miss. And we were throwing all kinds of things at him to miss shots. And we, like, make outrageous numbers. Like, let's see if you can make 20 all net. And that kid is a cannon. Yeah. You know? So hoping that a team needs a specialist like him because he'll be around for a long time. Uh, DeAnthony Melton. The kid out of SC got a chance to work with him a little bit, and I think he could be a good, you know, Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley. He, they consider him like a poor man's Russell Westbrook, but mm. of course, it's hard to reach that. But he definitely has a. I can play an NBA game um, along with uh, Jalen Hands, who decided to go back to uh, go back to college, which was good for him. So we had a very strong pre-draft, and I think this draft class is going to be strong. I see the top ten teams are going to get a, a gym. Nice, nice. Can you give the people a day in the life of one pre-workout? Just what would I guess you wake up at six a.m. or whatever? Not you per se, but I'm saying someone in the draft getting ready to get drafted next Thursday. Like you say, Kyle was next Thursday. What would I? What would I have been doing the last couple of weeks leading up to the draft? Um, you know, when right when you're able to declare, which is literally right after the tournament or if you don't make the tournament. Um, it's all about your conditioning because you have to be in a different type of shape. Remind you that an NBA season is two college seasons. You know, in college you may get 35 games, not including the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. NBA game is 82. So 
we got to get you in a different type of shape, probably mm-hmm. the best shape of your life. Then the second hardest part of pre-draft is learning the NBA language. It's not necessarily the game because teams have their schemes and you have you know training camp to learn that, but the language of the game, you know, spacing, where to be on the floor, how they call this, you know, what are the calls? If you're under, if you want under screens, over screens, trapping screens, hedging screens, there's certain words that they say, and you have to be ready for all of them. So it's learning again and unlearning what you saw in college, mm. and as you go through that is being realistic. Who will you be in the NBA? The question we always ask is, who's your replica? Who do you see yourself in four or five years? I like that. You know, and you got to be truthful with that answer. You know, with Marvin, first day, getting to meet him, I had a coach him in the Seattle game with L.A., so mm-hmm. I already had a relationship with Marvin. Uh, who do you want to be? He said he wanted to be Giannis. You know, personally, our ceiling for him was Chris Bosh. Mm. Which is a great selling, if you ask me. Yeah. You know, NBA champion, first teamer, uh, all star, <laughs> probably the greatest player in Raptors history outside of maybe Vince. You know, like he had an um, amazing career. Shout out to the class of 2002, former teammate. But um, that was our ceiling. He said Giannis. So that's what we got to work towards. You know, you got to be able to handle the ball now, something he didn't do at Duke. Now you got to be able to stretch it to the three. You know, pull up on people off the dribble. Now when there's a screen and roll, Marvin's not rolling to the basket. It's pick and pop, and let's see if you can go around KD. Let's see if you can get to the rim with that long frame and finish amongst the trees. Will you dunk on DeAndre Jordan and Rudy Gobert? Like, we have to see this, you know. So that's the part of it, learning who you are in a matter of eight to ten weeks. And then after Chicago Combine, we lose them. You know, oh, wow. Now they're working out with NBA teams, and we become more of like managers. We're fine tuning. You know, if you went to your workout, you know, a guy like Marvin doesn't have to work out for many people. You know, he may have worked out for the first three picks mm-hmm. once we found out the lottery order. But guys like Duncan may have had 20 workouts, Aaron may have had 16 workouts. So after we come back from Indiana or the Clippers or Brooklyn, we say, How did it go? What did you do wrong? What do you need to work on? And that's what we'll spend whatever short time we have working on. I didn't shoot the ball well. Okay, cool. We had a general get up a couple shots. Um, they did this drill, and I didn't really get it right. Okay, we'll, we'll work on this. So it's just fine-tuning because we won't see it as much. They're traveling back and forth. Work out here, come home. Work out there, come home. And then the week before the draft, hands off. So right now, no one's no working out. Agents are going crazy, phone calls, seeing if guys are going to go to the green room, seeing if you're going to, you know, what number you may fall at. And now it's about just getting prepared for that one big night to, you know, have your name called to be a part of that fraternity. Wow. That's a that's a heavy load for a youngster. Yeah, yeah. Because that's, I mean, we, we all talk about, you know, the jump from high school to, to the NBA and how that's kind of controversial or whatever. But when you break it down like that, like you take a kid that's like, I guess I guess 18, you could, Marvin 18, is a good example because he's 18. not even supposed to be where he is right, right now. Right. I mean, but that's a lot. I mean, I'm just trying to think about like when I was 18, like or 17. Trying to get to go to college. That's crazy. It depends on who's around you too. Like you're mm-hmm. saying, like you you have a set core of people, family or whoever. You gotta have the right people around you, yeah. and you gotta be serious about it. Which is, which is, I'm glad you brought that up, Kyle, because that goes without saying, your entourage will make or break you. 
you know, and if you don't have the right core support or group of people around you during this process, it can literally lose you a draft pick. Wow. You know, these kids are out here. Agents will give you whatever money you need because you're an investment. You know, mind you, Marvin Bagley went from broke to instantly he'll be a millionaire. Instantly. So agents are like, oh, I'll get you whatever you need. You want a watch, you want a car, you want a house. The moment your name is called, I get it all back. <laughs> right. So imagine a 19-year-old kid with endorsements, money. Mind you, the money's not even technically there yet, but the agent is helping you do what you want to do and what you want to accomplish. So if you got friends your age who now is like, oh, we made it, and you going out, y'all drinking, y'all smoking, y'all traveling, and the wrong team gets wind of it, you know, especially with the social media area era that people are so, people have access to you. You know, so you on Snapchat, they're going to like watching, and it's a GM. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of those pretty girls are fake accounts. So mm-hmm. you never know who's watching. You're sitting a while, and then next thing you know, when you go into an interview, they bring it up, character mm-hmm. issues. And you want to like fall in the draft. Like, we don't know this because on the outside looking in, they're not going to tell you. But there's times where you sit there and you watch the draft, and it's a kid in the green room that falls all the way to 28 that was supposed to be nine. Right. And we wonder why. Like, oh, why the teams pass on them? It's a lot of reasons why they pass, and it's things that they're not going to air to the public. But the people that's in the know, where you know, we're behind the scenes, we're the one talking. We find out it's like, oh, if he did this, or he's a background of this. He smokes, he drinks, he's crazy, Damn. blah blah blah. And these teams get a hold of it. Nobody's going to invest in the problem. That's that's a great point. You see how the kid's stock fell in the NFL draft. And he sent out that racist tweet in high school or whatever it was, and they Damn. went back years. Like, once it's online, it's online forever. So, right, Keon right, says right. social media, that's another resume. Yeah. So, you have to be selective on what you put on social media because everybody's watching. Just stop posting social media. Right. right I agree. Just get, I agree. What's your opinions? Do it somewhere else. I mean, the whole thing that popped up with Terry Rozier, which is crazy. You know, he said something back when he was in college about LeBron playing the Celtics. Right, right. And then they lose, and they'll find everything. Of course, that's what they... Cyberspace is available for the people that run it. Yeah. So they went and found tweets from this kid in college talking about the Celtics. And I'm just like, people just don't want to see people succeed. They don't. How would you be like, that boy is literally giving everything he has against the team. Exactly. That is not the person he is now. Or probably who he was. It was just a kid with an opinion. You didn't care about it because we didn't know him. But now, all of a sudden, he's in, he's in the know. He's that guy. You're going to bring up this open tweet and try to you know, <laughs> use that against him. Same thing with... DiVincenzo. Or uh, yeah, and then not even that. The coach from uh, the Detroit Lions. Uh, oh, Patricia, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. For years, no one cared. Nobody said anything. Nobody said anything. The moment he gets a job, a woman comes out and says, oh, we had a sexual assault case. Back 20 years ago, like, why? Like, who kept 20 years ago? That's the world we live in now, yeah, and you said it. Everybody's going to attack you when this, when they see the, when they see fit. I just felt bad for the kid, DiVincenzo. He had the best game of his life on the biggest stage, and the next day, they digging up. Over a rap song. Like, come on, man. He didn't mean it in that No. It's a rap song. Like, they, the lyrics. they tore this kid down, like. Like, come on, man. Like, That's what people do at home. They don't want to see you succeed. People are miserable at home. I call them online thugs, okay? Right. I hate it. So you mentioned, Keon, everything about the pre-draft. After the draft is over, 
and the kid gets picked up and he goes to wherever, what happens after that? Do uh, we lose 90% of control of our okay. contract. Um, at that point now, it's a team. You're, you're now with your team. Once the draft is over, you may have a day or two before you report because you're going to go to minicamp and then you're ready for summer league. And then after summer league, you're going to have a few weeks off. But if you're the rookie, you don't have any weeks off. You're staying there. You're in your apartment working out with their trainers. You know, you may have some guys call us in and get some, you know, late, late work or, you know, just because they want to work with you because you've helped them. But you kind of lose that contact because it's now the team is on the team trust their guys. And until they're a max player or they're three, four years in, it's like, okay, well, you can go with your trainer. But for now, Kind of example I can give you is Markel Folks. Mm-hmm. Markel had his guy once he was drafted. It was the Sixers trainer working on his shot, changing his shot, doing whatever. And that was like, it wasn't Markel's idea, but I'll pay you. <laughs> so you can do what I tell you. Right. You know, so um, okay. we won't see him again until Summer League. And, you know, after that, it'll be when they're in town. You know, we'll keep in contact, of course, because I was there before you ever got a dime. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we'll, we'll always be connected, but that's what it's like the leaving the nest. It's like, all right, I've done my part. Go flourish. You know, I'll see you next off season if you want to come back to L.A. or wherever you are, if you want me to come there. But we'll just be hands-on from afar. Nice. Man. So who do you think going number one? If I'm the Suns. And uh, mind you, my high school teammate is there, Tyson Chandler, uh, Alan Williams, a kid that I had in pre-draft a few years ago. You get Aiden. And I don't say that to knock Bagley. I yeah. did it because what their deed is. You know, they're stacked at the four spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, TJ Warren, uh, Alan Williams is coming off the bench, Markel Chris, mm-hmm. The Lynn kid, you know what I'm saying? Like, they Alex Lynn. Yeah, they had a ton of size. Even, do. The, even the dude you drafted last year, uh, Drogic. Oh, yeah. Um, Dro- his name is Drogic. Yeah, Drogic. Something like that. Something like You have a ton of 3 4. So you don't want to go get a guy that can't really learn from a bet. Right. That's all young talent there. Who's teaching who? But the luxury. You have, if you draft Aiden, you have a vet in Tyson Chandler who can teach Aiden the big man game, how to roll, how to, the scheme, the defensive schemes, rim protection, you know, something Tyson was great at in his years in the NBA. So now you have that vet at that spot. You have an interior force, which the Western Conference, we we have because of Anthony Davis, Cousins, and, you know, guys like that. So I think he's the better fit, but to and down, Marvin can go anywhere he wants. Where things are going to end up. What's the best fit? The best fit looks like Atlanta, which is three. Mm -hmm. Um, Perfect World, Memphis, four, which I know pride wise, he doesn't want to fall lower than one. But yeah, um, I heard him saying some stuff. I said, no, I mean, and he believes, and he's supposed to believe that. Of course. I'm not telling him anything other than Phoenix. I'm telling you guys that I think Phoenix should go Aiden, but. I'm not telling him or his parents that yeah, yeah. we're not we're not ready for Phoenix because he is just a matter of personnel and what you want. Right. Um, Sacramento could fit, but you've invested in young fours. I you feel guys. like they go there to die, man. Yeah, that's that's just oh my goodness. Um, you know, but they they they've they've drafted at that position. Yeah. You have Willie Cauley Stubber. Yeah. So 
you're going to get Bagley, who was very similar in terms of length and mm-hmm. build and athleticism. Athleticism, and then you got the scowl of BC. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like you have guys same there. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're right. So it's like, do you really want to bring him in? And same thing with Phoenix. Who's going to teach him? Who's going to vet him? You know, and how does he work in the flow of the offense with uh, De'Aaron with uh, Buddy? Yeah. You know, with the, uh, Garrett Temple the uh, they drafted a three, the light-skinned kid, Johnson, Justin. Oh, Justin, oh Justin, Jackson. Justin Jackson. North so, Carolina. Yeah, so you got to figure him out. You know, but if you go three to Atlanta, now you're looking at a team with John Collins, who mm-hmm. just drafted. Bounce is crazy. Yes. yes. Collins is a little bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, he can play in perimeter. You also don't mind being a dog in the paint. Mm-hmm. You know, now you're complimentary. Now you have a high-low action. Now you have you can stretch the floor when both are on the floor. So I think Atlanta fits, and of course, Memphis is the perfect fit because now you have Marcus Saul. So now you have your vet big who doesn't need to do, or you don't have to do everything that he's required to do. You know, Mark is the one that get the post buckets, who's a great passer. Yes, he is. So when he's at the high-low, Bagley dives in or from the back door live, like, now you got somebody that can help you, Mike Conley. You know, a Mike healthy Conley, yeah. Point guard in the NBA mm-hmm. who can find you, who can teach you. You know, I think Memphis is an unbelievable fit for him, but I don't think he'll drop the four. Damn. I didn't even think about the, that whole him dropping the four at all. Uh, it's not your job. <laughs> it's our job. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I like to – I always like to put myself – like, if, say, if I was you, like, I always try to see where people – he probably, he probably won't go lower than two. Yeah, like, I wouldn't that's a rea- Sacramento. Like, you draft best available. Damn. He's definitely. I, d- I don't want him to go there. Neither do, we don't want no him to go, to go there. He don't want to go there. <laughs> we we already talked it. For him. Disclaimer, no, 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 yeah, no, no. This is us. This is us speaking up. But we, we, we don't want him to go there. We don't want him to. Phoenix, I'd rather him go to Phoenix than Sacramento. At least him and Devin Booker and, you know, different. I, I get what, what Keon saying. Yeah. Hey. You got a veteran with Tyson, but Sacramento's that's tough. Yeah, it is. That's tough. But we'll see. Next next week. We'll see how it goes. Wow. Anybody else in the draft you high on? I could, that you could think of doing? Um, just just from me just watching a lot of YouTube stuff like Corey Sanders. Solid. You know who's a sleeper? The kid out of Miami, Lonnie Walker. Oh, with the hair. He's a <laughs> oh my god, I got a chance to watch his pro day. Unreal. Really? Freak athlete, great touch, big guard. He's about 6'5", 6'6", maybe 6'7". Unbelievable talent. Like I think he's going to be Donovan Donovan Mitchell-esque, like impact, wherever he falls. Like I think he's going to be immediate help. Um, But there's a ton of talent in this draft, man, whether you fall late or early, just... I think that the, the talent pool is increasing in the NBA. These kids are really trying to get better in college. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see who falls where. Yeah, and I like the um, um, Lonnie Walker that you just talked about. He had an injury for like the most of the season last year. And he's, I heard an interview with him and he said he kind of got in the flow toward the end. So a lot of people don't know who he is. But I've seen him play. Like you said, he's he's solid. He's so, solid. It's a lot of talent, man. The, yeah. The, like I said, the talent pool now from last year's draft with Donovan is picking up, you know, Jason Taylor. Shout out to Jason Taylor, man. Unbelievable. Polished. Unbelievable. He's I, the most polished. He was the most NBA ready 
Yes, easy. The only reason he's not in the rookie year conversation because his team was good. Right. You know, but he was definitely like if you never knew who he was and you watched the game, you would have never thought he was a rookie. No, he fitted fit so nicely from day one. He just looked like no a vet. Issue. None. He, didn't, he never hit the wall. Nope. You know, he was. He was. He's. A, I'm so surprised at that kid. Well, that concludes part one of the conversation with Keon Kendrick. And as always, thank you guys so very much for listening to the Hardwood Brand Podcast. But please be sure to join us next week as we continue with part two of the conversation with Keon, where we dive into topics like what the Celtics should do with that ridiculously talented roster that they have, who he thinks the NBA Rookie of the Year should be. Will we ever see the end of the three-point trend? Will we see a new rise of the big man in the NBA? Keon will also let us know what he's got coming up next for him and his brand, CLC, and much, much more. Thanks for rolling with us. Catch y'all next week. Peace.